Hey everyone, this is the Alopecia Project, the podcast that explores the world of alopecia. On today's show, we're speaking with Pauline DiFilippo, our very first guest on the show with androgenic alopecia. Pauline spoke to us about her journey, the insecurities that come with not being the right type of bald, and being open and honest with the people around us. Really excited to have both Sarah and Pauline here today with me. Beside me, we're in person today. What? Crazy. It's very crazy. Alopecia Project first that we have all, both of us and our guests. And the guests. Yeah, we've done you and I together. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. Pauline, it's great to have you. Hi, so excited to be here. Yeah, it'll be really, really fun. So, fun story, Pauline and I used to work together way back in the day, and we never knew each other had alopecia. (laughs) We went, I don't know, how long was it? A few months, I think, without us without us Definitely. ever like really, really talking about that or it coming up. And then I think one day one of us posted something on Instagram of hashtagging alopecia, and then we both just jumped on it. And later we found that we both had it. We both talked about our wig systems. We both talked about all the stuff that we had in common that we hadn't even realized. So It was an instant way to connect with one another in a different way, for sure. Absolutely. It was really I cool. That. That's such an amazing story when you like know someone and have no idea that you have this like super big, important thing in mm-hmm. common. And yeah. then you find out, it's so heartwarming. The day that Pauline and I messaged each other, I like immediately called Sarah and I was like, guess what happened? Guess what I knew? <laughs> it was pretty cool. So cool. So, okay, let's start a little bit about you, Pauline. Uh, We'd love to hear a little bit about your story, what kind of alopecia you have, and and you can go through your journey. Okay, great, thanks. So I'm currently in my early 30s, and I would say my alopecia journey started when I was about 12 to 13 years old. I have a different alopecia than I think you have had featured on your podcast in the past. It's uh, androgenic alopecia. It is um, one of the more common alopecias, just perhaps not one that's maybe out there in your face like Arietta is, for example. And so the simplest way to explain androgenic alopecia is that it is 100% hormone-based, and it's very similar to male pattern baldness. Um, As a joke, I kind of reference it to like a George Costanza type of look (laughs) underneath my wig. So um, I'm very bald in my frontal area. I'm very fortunate to still have um, a hairline. The hairline is slowly (laughs) creeping away, but I am very lucky to have that because that does allow my systems and my wigs to look very, very natural. It it allows it to kind of blend in a little bit more, but it is um, quite bald in the front area over to the top of my head. And then I do have a little bit of hair on the bottom as well, which again is really, really helpful with trying to make the systems kind of incorporate and look more natural. Guys, her wig is (laughs) incredible. It's amazing. Like, we got to post a photo of this yeah. wig on Instagram. <laughs> like, I feel like this is the Ferrari. Yeah, this it is definitely like the is. the nicest wig I've ever seen. That, I just got it a couple months ago, and oh I was God. just saying to the ladies before that I don't wear it often. I yeah. pick and choose because it's so beautiful. I'm so honored. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone through every, we can talk about it, I've gone through, like, every wig clip-in 
everything you can think of in the past 20 years, I've done it. And this is like the creme de la creme worth the investment and the time. It is, it makes you feel like it's natural, it's real. I feel honored just to be in the presence. (laughs) Like truly. Yeah. I don't want to breathe too close to you in case I get it on your beautiful way. I don't like to wear it out at too many restaurants because I'm worried about smells. (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want the smell to go into the wig. Yeah. Yeah. So back to your allergies journey. Yeah. Um, so you got it when you were for you were twelve years old. Yeah. What was that like? So I would say the other thing with the androgenic alopecia that makes it different than the other alopecias is that um, it's a very gradual and very 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 slow journey. So um, I think with that it's pros and cons like with anything. So I wasn't losing hair in like handfuls. It was very slow, which kind of put me in a denial phase for a really long time. Right. And so when I talk about my journey with alopecia, I often equate it to like it's a journey and I kind of break it up in phases in my mind um it's taken a long time to get to that place but in my mind it's I went through these big maybe four massive phases through the journey and the longest one was the denial piece so because you lose your hair in very small increments you you see that there's like a thinning spot and then as time went on of course as you go through puberty it just it got thinner and thinner and kind of spread out Um, I did hit my puberty stage as a woman very, very early. So I think we thought that I had this like large surge of hormones that kind of was the reason for the hair loss and that it would come back. But later we learned that with the androgenic alopecia, um, it is permanent. Wow. So at what point did you start wearing wigs? Like at what point did it get to the point where you felt like you needed to, you know, start wearing wigs and trying to hide it? Yeah, so I would say from about 12 until like 18, I just kind of let it happen. Again, because I wasn't really coming to the realization that it was happening. So I would, my hair is actually naturally very, very curly. Um, So what I would do is I would dye it black because in my mind, if you had darker hair, it would look thicker. It's not the case. That was just my way, I think, of coping with it. Um, So I would dye my hair really, really dark from like 12, well not 12, maybe like 15 to 17. And then um, I would start to do like clip-in bangs. So I would do the clip-in heavy fringe bang, but it got so aggressive that my bang was taking up most of my head. So it would be like really far back on my head. (laughs) And then I would try and do like a top knot, but like that, and then it wasn't working. Um, And then I think I was about 22 when I had a friend say like, okay, like this is it. Like you need to kind of come to realization there's no more hiding it because every time the wind would blow I'd get really nervous or I would be teasing the fringe bang so much so that you couldn't see anything and so I just went and started to get wigs um although I am in my early 30s so I'm not that old but back at that time even 10 years ago information wasn't what it is now so myself my parents we couldn't just go and open up Google and see what's happening and even the doctors didn't really know what to do or how to prescribe what was happening. So um, it was all about a journey of kind of uncovering more information to figure out what we wanted to do in terms of covering the hair, the hair loss. So we moved to wigs. My parents were very generous and purchased some very expensive custom wigs but they still didn't look right. They still looked fake. They weren't natural. And then my mom heard an ad 
for hair club and that they were doing hair club for women. So I was with them for maybe four or five years where they created a custom system for my head. I was bonded, which means that the system was put on permanently for uh, four to five weeks. And then I decided to leave there and now I'm at a new place in Mississauga called Capilia Truly You. And um, I've done two systems through there and then this is where I've got this, as you would say, Ferrari of pieces <laughs> from there. It's a very like truncated view of all the stuff that I've done, but I've done the cortisone shots, the Rogaine's, real wigs, fake wigs, clip-ins, clip-in extensions on the bottoms. Like we've done the whole gambit of it. I'm so curious about this kind of alopecia just because I don't know a lot mm. about it. So, you know, the alopecia that Sarah and I both have, so it is what they call autoimmune disease, right? Yep. So it's our immune system that is like overworking and then attacking our hair follicles. So is that totally different from what you're going through? Uh, it's very similar. So it's funny that the way that they diagnosed my androgenic alopecia was through a regular like lady doctor checkup. So, um... <laughs> So I also have PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. Again, very, very common. It's becoming more and more common. There's different like severity cases of it. So you could have PCOS and perhaps you get a little bit of extra chin hair, maybe an irregular period. I have one that causes me to like pass cysts through my body a couple times a year ovulation challenges and like I can grow a full beard in like two weeks if I don't wax so yeah so we I always joke to say that the hair that I lost on my head has now gone to my face so yeah (laughs) so I was having some like menstrual challenges and they drew my blood and they're like oh there's something off here with your hormones and so basically I have too many androgens that are in my body and they kind of sit on the top of everything and they mistake the hair follicle as like a like a something bad and they start to eat away the hair follicle okay so it is a little bit similar yes but it's not coming from the immune system yeah it's kind of coming from somewhere else that's right as far as i know i'm no doctor yeah (laughs) don't (laughs) at me this is what they told me (laughs) please don't get your medical advice from the alopecia project please (laughs) talk to your doctor yeah talk to your doctor I would recommend going to like, I mean, dermatologists work for me, but they were not the ones that diagnosed me. It was actually my OBGYN that really helped me get through this process. Yeah. So what was that like for you kind of getting that diagnosis and the the PCOS? I know. I know this. Lots of acronyms. (laughs) But like that all kind of happening at the same time with the hormones and puberty. What? That must have been a crazy time of your life. It was a lot. And I think it, um, at that time, I just kind of like choked it all down. I think now that I'm older and more mature, I have the ability to kind of have it all come out and deal with it. But at that time, I just kind of just choked it down and like, yep, everything's fine. We're going to be fine. Which, by the way, is super unhealthy to do. It's not great for your mental health to do that or your physical self. And it's not great for your relationships. So lots of learnings. But again, it was a lot to kind of navigate through to figure out, um, what your next steps are going to be and a lot of it with a lot of medical things as we know is kind of just peeling back the onion 
one step at a time and so kind of piecing together like okay that totally makes sense why that happened because you have this and no one really gives you a straight answer or like a playbook of like okay here's what you have now off you go it's kind of putting the pieces together and like I was saying without having so much information at your fingertips it's really relying on word of mouth or like speaking to different doctors and kind of putting the pieces together and speaking to other people which really helps as well. Do you know a lot of other people who have the same sort of alopecia view as you who's gone through a similar journey? So I don't know anybody in my life who has androgenic alopecia but it should also be noted that um, my little brother and I don't think he would mind me talking about it my little brother also has alopecia areata and so he's 24 and he started losing his hair around 15 16 Mm -hmm. years old and then our uncle on my dad's side so my dad's brother he had alopecia universalis Wow! so he had lost his hair all over his body and so he actually um, it started with him so he was the first person in our life who had alopecia I remember I was like 10 years old we had just moved into our new home and he's going down the stairs and I'm like Uncle Joe like what's happening on the back of your head he's like I don't know what it is and I remember him and my mom over the sink and his hair was like falling out rapidly and that was like over 25 years ago and so he went to the states to do like light treatments he did it all and it came back and then he lost it again years later and it was just that struggle back and forth and then um my little brother has arietta as well so he also similar to your stories as well had the um alopecia area at a very like vulnerable time i don't think there's any good time to ever have to go through this but in your teenage years is perhaps maybe there's maybe the the worst worst time yeah Yeah. that's right that's right because the worst time is also the time it seems to happen for everybody that's right when you're a teenager I really loved um, in what you said, you talked a little bit about how you kind of had to make all these connections between all these things that are going on, were going on with you. And I think that's a really good point for our listeners and for ourselves to the effect that you kind of have to be a bit of your own advocate, especially when you're a person who has like multiple health things going on, you know, not a lot of physicians will often try to make those connections for you. Mm -hmm. I think just, we can sometimes get really tunnel vision like you're in you're at this appointment for this so we're going to focus on this so I love that you've been able to sort of advocate for yourself and and do that research and figure out what's going on and that now you understand it definitely and I think what's tough too is at that age in your in your teenage life all teenagers are nightmares like we were all nightmares I was certainly a nightmare for my parents and then to add that onto it it's like attitude times 1000 right you're coming at them with I'm upset I'm crusty I'm miserable I'm confused I'm sad and I think it's really important that if you have I was so lucky to have like the support to say you know what it's okay, you're going to be a bee today. <laughs> Let her go in her room and then come back and we're like, we're going to huddle up whenever you feel good and we're going to talk about it. And very, again, very fortunate to not only have support, but also have parents that are like, we will do anything. So yeah. my dad would like talk to everybody, and I mean everybody about it, into the fact that he has a friend who is all about medical journals. I don't know why that's, that's <laughs> we, we, won't, we won't go on there, but he has a friend who's all about like medical journals and he was like, oh, my daughter, her hair's falling out and she has some hormone like lady issues and they were talking about my flow. And I'm oh like, what's happening? It's so What's funny. happening? He's like, comes from a good place. You know, we just want to figure out what's going on. And I'm like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> but now again, as an adult, you look back and I'm like, wow, like 
like, that's pretty cool to have a dad who's going to go talk to his friends about your medical issues. His daughter's period. That's yeah. right. Yeah. It's weird, but also amazing. Don't judge him. Oh, it's really him. amazing. I love your dad. That's, yeah, amazing. that's amazing. I feel yeah. like my dad, when, when I was losing my hair, he was like, Sarah, I can shave off all of my hair yeah. and we can make a wig. I was like, Dad, you barely have any yeah. hair either. So, but so know. cute. But really sweet yeah. and really yeah. nice. We have like some some uh, baldness in my family, both with my dad and my brother a little bit as well. So we like to kind of joke sometimes, but like, who has the most hair? <laughs> like, when it's bad, it's like, who is more bald? Like, <laughs> it's really funny. I mean, having that support is ultimately, you know, one of the greatest things that you can have when you're going through a situation yeah. like this. Pauline, you were talking a little bit about phases yeah. that you were going through. And you were talking about denial yeah. at first. Were there any others that you really had to em- embrace and then kind of overcome? Yeah, I would say, like, for me and, like, everyone's journey is different. But I would say, like, it might be annoying. I guess I should preface this mm-hmm. by saying if you're currently freshly diagnosed or maybe you're just handling things differently, you might get annoyed with what I'm about to say. So this is all about my journey. And trust me, I think if I heard this 10 years ago, I'd want to punch myself. (laughs) So I get it. Um, It's taken a really long time to get here. So I'm not trying to simplify what we go through. But for me, if I think about it in my mind, for my own mental health, it's kind of like I went through a long period of denial and then anger and then acceptance and then where I am today, which is acceptance, but also acceptance of like I think the first acceptance was of, of the diagnoses and what my life is going to be like, where currently it's acceptance of that, but also of my feelings and to kind of self-indulge, if you will, and be okay to kind of have different kinds of days. Yeah. So I think that's kind of yeah. a really shitty first 10, 15 years. And then I think something that is has changed my life for the better. And I think that's probably really relatable to a lot of people who have had that diagnosis. Like, I can totally relate to what you're talking about, your teen years, being (laughs) miserable and denial and anger and, like, feeling all those horrible emotions. I think it's also really important for any parents we get who listen to this podcast because I think we see a lot of parents that come out to alopecia support groups Mm -hmm. and things like that who are really trying to just figure out what they can do to help their kids who have alopecia. So I think an important thing is to know like those feelings are so normal. That diagnosis and what we're going through and losing our hair, it's a really tough thing. And I think your gut instinct is always just to be like, this isn't happening to me, not thinking about it, not going to accept it. I know I did that for years. And then that definitely transitions into like, okay, this is happening to me, but I hate it. And now I hate the world. So what was, I guess for both of you kind of, what were those turning points in those phases for you? What was it that kind of made you come to that acceptance and, and really embracing the feelings around it? So I think for me, like when I was in that like angry stage, it's like now I know it's happening it's this is it like this is life they're like it's never going to come back and they they showed me on the we did all the like scopes and the scrapes and the thing and like this this is it so you need to kind of buck up and figure it out but I was so angry that I couldn't and then it made me be like a really bad human yeah so I had zero empathy for anybody in my life including like friends and family which is not who I am like we're not bad people but I couldn't like you know people would say well well first of all no one knows what to say right Right? Yeah. No one knows what to say. No. It's really uncomfortable for everybody. And now I'm okay with that. Like people are going to say stupid things. It's fine. Everyone's uncomfortable. But when you're in that angry spot, for me, I would get really hung up. People like, well, it's just hair. And then I'd be like, well, you lose your hair and come back and tell me how it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Or I'd be like, okay, it's just hair. But then you went to get your hair done and the hairdresser didn't do it right. And now you're having a temper tantrum. Imagine that forever. Right. Like, so putting things into perspective. And it's not 
healthy to be in that state of not being able to empathize with people in your life, whether they scrape their knee or they're going through something that's really, really, really scary. If, if I love you and you're in my life, then I need to be a good human and say, okay, let's sit down and talk about it and not make it about me in my own head to be like, can you believe this bitch is complaining about this? Like, that's what was going through my head was like, can you believe she's complaining about this when I have to deal with this, right? So that was really, it was really gross to kind of live in that spot. And then I think it just came with time and maturity that you kind of come out of it. Coming out of it was like the best thing ever because it changed how I speak with people, my relationships are stronger, it allowed me to speak about the alopecia openly, I hid it forever, as I'm sure we all did here on the couch. It allows you to be open with it, I can go outside with a headscarf on and feel 100% comfortable as if I was here right now with the system on my head, um, and it allowed me to move to a system that was ultimately healthier for my body, because I was in the better mental state. I think it changes to the point where you can talk about it. Yeah. Like that, for me, that was the thing that totally changed my experience of having alopecia. And as far as talking about the whole denial thing, yeah. what I did is like, so my, I've had alopecia for, oh God, 12 years. And my denial phase was eight of those years. Yeah. So like the majority of my alopecia, because I do have alopecia areata, which is very spotty and yeah. unpredictable. And you know, I can, I can hide it most of the time. So my denial lasted until the point where I couldn't hide it. So I lost 80% of my hair. Mm-hmm. And it was like, ah, you're not fooling anybody anymore. Like, yeah. You have to actually deal with it. The jig you is up. To, yeah, the jig <laughs> is totally up. So that was kind of where my denial ended. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got over it was like going to alopecia support groups and like finding people I could talk about with it and no longer just pretending that it wasn't happening true. to me. And I think I went through the same transition, yeah. transition as you is you just become a way better human, like a way better person to be around and it's easier on your relationships and just on your life in general when you can actually embrace what's going on, even though that is like Agreed. super difficult. That's <laughs> the hardest yeah. thing to do. I also like struggle with not being the right type of bald. So I was saying to Sarah is that I'm not the right type of bald. So I'm not, I don't have totalis where I lost everything. So sometimes when I was go in that angry phase, I meet with people and it comes up in conversation or whatever the case is, you're wearing a wig and someone's like, your hair's nice. And now I'd be like, is it? Well, I paid enough money for it, so it better be nice. <laughs> where at that time, I'd be like, oh my God, it's a wig, can you tell? You know, yeah. like I was very self-conscious of it. But they'll be like, oh, you have your, Alicia, like you still have your eyebrows, you have your eyelashes. Like I see some hair at the front and then I'd be like, well, I, I, you know, I get very flustered and you feel like I'm not like bald enough. But the bald that I am, again, there's no fooling anybody. It got to a point where it doesn't matter that maybe I still have some hair on my head. It's still not salvageable at this point. So um, I struggle with that. And I think that's why also I didn't really join any kind of alopecia support groups or awareness groups because I felt like I didn't belong because who am I to traipse in here with you know a shadow of a hairline and some hair on the bottom of my head and these people have nothing like I just didn't feel right we're now again time maturity experience it's like well we're all dealing with the same thing in our own way so I think that was also an internal struggle of kind of judging myself against the community. I think it's so funny before we were recording Sarah and I were totally talking about this and support groups and people being a little bit nervous to join them because they don't have the right type or yeah I look different than you so we're going through different things 
But ultimately, it, it, it's hair loss altogether, mm-hmm. right? Um, if somebody with cancer had come in a support group and just wanted to talk about their hair falling out, nobody's going to be a complete asshole to them and be right. like, no, you're not allowed yeah. in here. You don't belong. No, yeah, no. We're, we all are going through this sense of loss and we're all dealing with it in very similar, different, but similar ways. So we all go through these phases of grief, denial, mm-hmm. uh, you know, anger and frustration and it's nice when you have people to talk to about that. True. And like I don't I self-identify myself as someone who's sick. And I know sometimes a yeah. lot of people with alopecia do. And I think that's totally great. That works for you. Again, for my own mental capacity, I don't identify as somebody who's sick. I think it's something that's part of my life, part of my story. I'm actually glad that it happened. It's made me in a weird way more confident. But I'm not ill. There are people out there who are facing some really serious stuff. And I, I'm not trying to make that this is not serious because trust me it is it's impacted my life emotionally physically financially most importantly (laughs) um it's a lot of money (laughs) but a lot of time spent kind of thinking through your feelings but I think for me I don't identify somebody who's ill um I just identify somebody who has this disease who has shaped who I am and has certainly shaped it's going to shape my future and kind of what my next steps are yeah and that's also a really great point I think we talk about acceptance and getting to this place but ultimately like this is not the end of it right even though we've accepted it it doesn't mean that we don't have bad days no Mm -hmm. there's totally days where like I am not okay talking about it I do this podcast and there are days that I'm not okay talking about it and you know I'll just cry for no reason and and Although I've still accepted it, it's there is that back and forth, and and there is those sad days. But ultimately, it's that journey, and it doesn't necessarily have an end point to it. But the it. thing is, that's okay. Like, mm-hmm. there's also this like weird stereotype also that we all have to be like warriors. Like mm-hmm. we are warriors. We are so strong. We are dealing with all these horrible things that are happening to us, and we're not letting it affect us. And it's like. No, like let it affect you. Like feel your feelings. Don't deny it. It's okay for you to not be okay. And it's okay for you to just like experience these feelings, whether you've had alopecia for two months or 20 years. Agree. And like for the record, we're like sitting on a couch with a box of tissue. (laughs) Because we're just, just in case somebody, you know, I think you're right, Sarah. Like that was, that's where the stage I'm at now, where it's like, you know what? I'm, I'm a little bit of a dip. I've hit a little bit of a dip and maybe it's a Friday night and I need to like order Domino's, like watch some like dirty Real Housewives of whatever and like cry it out and then the next day wake up and actually feel a lot better because I've addressed my feelings. I got it out of my system and then you get up get dressed and you're out for the day and I didn't do that for years and it I had like a little bit of like a breakdown a couple years ago and and when you have these breakdowns for me personally people in my life were like I had no idea and I'm like that's my fault though like mm-hmm. bad on me for shocking close friends and my family being like why is she having this meltdown like what was happening and like yeah. that's my fault because I didn't articulate how I'm feeling because I didn't want to be self-centered or self-involved or weak or vulnerable. But I think the other part that I often deal with currently is people in your life, and I don't know if you ladies feel the same way, might often forget that you're dealing with this because you put on such a brave face and a happy face and you look great with a wig, or I look just good with a scarf, so. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So, um, you know, people might forget that you are dealing with this, and then sometimes I get frustrated with that because I'm like, do they think it's like sunshine and rainbows for me every day? Because when I go home tonight, 
you know, there's like that, that like stereotypical thing that women say that the first thing I do when I come home from work is take my bra off. I'm like, the first thing I do is take my hair off. Oh, I know. <laughs> You're preaching here. And that's right? literally you what I do. You take it off and literally time. it's like, <sighs> yeah. you know, like it's like weight, it's air, but it's also really hard to look at yourself in the mirror. And so there are days where I'm fine, but I went 15 years of not being able to look at myself in the mirror yeah. or look at in, in photos. I'm like, oh, I can't look at those photos, right? So I, I've gone and I've deleted all like pre-wig pictures of myself because I don't want to see them on Facebook or anything. And so it's okay sometimes to slump back into that, deal with it head on in whatever way that works for you and you have to find what that is, but also be open and honest with people in your life because they want to support you and they can't support you if you're not being open and honest with your feelings. Yeah, so true. Yeah. And again, this is all much easier said than done. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> yeah. No, it's something that uh, I think all of us have kind of faced in different ways, shape, and form. But ultimately, we have a similar journey. Mm-hmm. And and it's not always easy. And people have to just remember that. Even though you are okay and you're strong one day, you can go home and cry the next day. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Right? I remember when I did wear a wig, I wore a wig for about six months when my alopecia was really bad. I went through a little bit of, you talked about that like imposter syndrome. Like, yeah. like I'm not doing it right. And what I went through is like, am I not strong because I'm not okay being bald? Mm-hmm. Like that was my biggest thing. Like yeah. because like my tendency was like covered up by a wig. Yeah. Like don't want people to know. And then I was like, I felt that kind of made me feel shitty about myself. It's true. Because I was like, you see, especially in alopecia support, you see all these like super confident like, bald women. And you're like, people. yes, you look amazing, but I cannot do that. Yeah. So I think that's another like sort of thing you feel. It's again, us just projecting more guilt onto ourselves, but you do kind of make yourself feel bad a little bit. No, and, that. but like, that's like the whole point of everybody's at a different phase and like not everybody hits every phase either. Not yeah. everybody's okay. Like I only started shaving my head last year. I've had alopecia for three years this time and from 11 to 17 before that. Yeah. And like not once was I able to shave my head. Yeah. It, it comes at different phases. And like you were saying with the maturity, with, mm-hmm. with, with growing up, when I got it the second time, I was an adult at this point. I wasn't as nervous about what people were saying. But when you're a kid and when you're a teenager, it's hard. It's hard. And it seems impossible. Like, just the concept, I remember just being like, I can't. Like, yeah. I just can't shave my head, even though I only have 20% of my hair. Like, I just can't do it. And, like, that's okay, too. Yeah. You don't need to be a confident, bald person. No. I remember when I was um, with Hair Club, I was bonded. So that means that they took the system, it was mesh, and they would glue it on my scalp um, for about four to five weeks. And then I'd go at the fourth week, and then they would like use the citrus stuff that would like break down the glue and take it off, clean up your scalp, put it back on. But my skin is extremely sensitive, which a lot of us with alopecia, it is a skin issue. So I mean, I've had rosacea since the day I was born and very, very sensitive skin. My my head would get severely infected when I was bonded. And so I remember I was like, 27 so like you know like a woman but I was 27 and um it was New Year's Eve and the system was so badly infected I was in so much pain that I physically took like scissors and cut it off of my scalp oh my god because I needed it off so desperately (sighs) 
and I remember I had plans like it's New Year's Eve you're in your late 20s like we're going out to a club like what am I gonna do I remember sitting there I think that was the last time anybody has seen me without hair on and I was with my parents and I was just like devastated crying and sobbing and that my friend had to my mom had to call my friend to be like oh my god she's worried that you're gonna hate her because she doesn't want to go out tonight and at that point I'm like what am I doing why am I crying and we went out. I put a scarf on. It was like my first time to wear a scar- scarf in public and it was to a club. <laughs> nonetheless, it. it was to a club. And I'm like, We're, I gotta do it. Like if I don't do it now, I gotta do it. Because the guilt of being so self-indulgent that I was gonna ruin my friend's night because on New Year's Eve when you're in your late 20s, that's a big deal. Now I'd be like, okay, we're staying in order and pizza. But at that point, you know, it was a big deal and I didn't wanna like let her down and let myself down and just go and figure it out and put a scarf on and went to a club. And now I'll wear a scarf anywhere. In fact, I work for a financial institution downtown Toronto and the big corporate towers and I've been known to go into work with a scarf on because if my head is hurting or infected or tender, um, why am I going to do that to myself? It's not worth it. And so I'll, I'll walk in with a scarf on. But it took a really long, really, really long time to get there. And now I'm really glad that, that I do it because it does give you its freedom. Yeah. I totally loved hearing about your journey and all the things that you've gone through. And I think that's going to relate to a lot of people. And I think we're about time to wrap up. But before we do, I think we need to talk about your wigs. Oh, okay. So we talked about you have this amazing Ferrari yes. wig on right now. So it sounds like you have like quite a few different ones that you switch up. So I do. Tell me about your collection. Okay. So if you go into my walk-in closet at home, I have seven wigs on wig heads. In okay. fact, um, my friend has two little girls and part of me becoming more open and honest with my journey and being more positive is for these like little kids in my life. I love that. Yeah, because like I'm going to be useless in their life if I'm miserable and a bad influence. And especially for little girls, it's really important that, you know, they're under the age of six, but they, they, they know my friend has two little boys and they know as well um, but it's really important to stay open and positive and so the two little girls will come over to my house and the first thing they do is they want to go in and kind of put the wigs on Aww. and try it on with some <laughs> accessories and be anti Pauline for the day so it's actually really fun so that gives you an idea of what I have going up in there I would say the one that I'm wearing today it's called Chesede Ragazzi I think we're going to go on Instagram so you guys can like DM yeah, me yes. I'm very open and honest message me I can give you the straight goods on how it works but it is essentially what they call like a vacuum system so I went through three or four different molds on my head and they make it exactly to my head so I use a little bit of double stick tape but the moment moment I put it on it's silicone based and it just hugs my head completely it's great it's a hundred percent natural hair you choose the length the density you want wavy curly straight whatever you want color you can put heat on it it's fabulous in the past, through Capilla Truly You, I've done a really great system. It's a step down. It's not cheap as it's not cheap either, but it's a blend of artificial and natural hair. And again, you choose yeah. what you want. It's mesh-based, so breathes a little bit more, but because there's artificial hair, it has a tendency to fade, break off. So the Chesare Ragazzi, it's it's an investment, but it's one that I know I'm going to do for the rest of my life because it's that amazing. I don't often hear people say, like, this wig is it. This is it. They're yeah. always looking for something better, but that's amazing. Yeah, this is it. I feel like, you know, it's a little bit heavy maybe, but it's just so natural. Yeah, like, I it can't... looks 
so I can put good. it up in a top knot and it's fine. Yeah, that's an issue with that a lot of people have with wigs. Yeah. It's like, what do, how do I style it? Yeah. What do I do? This one, like, it looks like you can do anything. I went to like a water park on Friday. I didn't wear this one. I wore another one, an older one, but I braided my hair down in like French braids and like I went in the water, no problems. I didn't put my head under, but like yeah, yeah, it yeah, got yeah, yeah. no yeah. problem. I didn't have to worry because it was braided down. It's you know you're, yeah. you become very comfortable and you know how far to to, to test it. Yeah. But um, for me, this works. It's better than like a traditional wig. Mm-hmm. It's lighter and because again I have that hairline, it mm-hmm. allows me to kind of blur the lines a little bit. If I do wear my hair back, you can see it. But I'm also at a point where I'm I'm fine with that too. I love this wig. I love. The story that you have, I love the journey. It's really is relatable to everybody, I think, who's listening. You know, it's a different type of alopecia, but ultimately it's hair loss. And Great. as we were saying earlier, hair loss is hair loss is hair loss. Anywhere you're you're going, whether you have cancer or whether you have alopecia universalis, talus, areata, it's all the same and we're all facing the same sort of issues. So it's really nice to hear your story. Thanks guys. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. And a big thanks to Pauline for taking the time to speak with us today. We want to talk to you, our listeners. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at The Alopecia Project or send us an email at thealopeciapodcast at gmail.com. Catch you next time.